Oscar Poker. Uh, so no Phil, um, but he knows clearly. He knows that we're trying to reach him, so maybe he can be uh, he can be added or, uh, or whatever. So the, we've had uh, a few days to think over the. Uh, to me, the the big standout at uh, CinemaCon. Well, wait, let's introduce speaking, our special way. guest we'll first. Stop. How about if what? we introduce? Let's introduce our special guest first. Our special <clears> guest <throat> uh, during this uh, podcast, the number of which I've forgotten. But uh, Moise Shulan, who's uh, uh, a former um, a badass digest guy, uh, a uh, Alamo Drafthouse guy, an Austin resident, and a ain't it cool news contributor. Who was, of course, uh, uh, of course, I was a I was a Hollywood Elsewhere contributor for much longer, right. much longer than both of those. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we were Moises and I were both at uh, CinemaCon in Las Vegas, uh, which is a Pretty pretty startling historical development, I thought, when uh, Peter Jackson uh, and Warner Brothers people uh, introduced a reel of uh, The Hobbit shown in... Uh, oh, here's my son calling. Well, I'm just going to let him go for the time being. I'm going to decline him. Uh, anyway, we, we were all shown uh, 10 minutes of The Hobbit at 48 frames per second. Uh, for those who may not be jolted out of their seats when they hear that term, it's uh, basically uh, we're talking about 3D footage run at twice the normal frame rate that we've all been accustomed to in watching movies all of our lives. And the only time that we've ever seen any kind of frame rate other than 24 frames was, in the commercial mainstream vein, I mean, was way back in the mid-50s. When Todd A.O. was the uh, new uh, avant-garde technology at the time, and they created Todd A.O. 30 frame, which uh, was used for two films, Oklahoma, which came out in 55, and Around the World in 80 Days, which I believe was 56 or possibly 57. Wow. But they were the only two films that were projected at 30 frame uh, per second, and the uh, the uptick in terms of clarity and the lack of pan blur. And just basically you could tell right away, your eyes told you right away you were seeing something that was uh, much cleaner and, 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 and handsomer and just more, more fluid looking. 48 is an astonishing uptick from what 30 frame was and way up from what 24 is. Uh, so much of an astonishing uptick in terms of clarity, sharpness, and vivid qualities that people were actually complaining. In fact, People were mainly complaining, truth be told. And uh, that's because it looks not so much like film. It looks like high-def video. It is way, way 
real and sharp, and and yet the um, uh, the FX, the the visual CG stuff, is magnificent for me because it is so uh, clear and sharp and believable. Whereas when, when you see CG at 24 frames, you're kind of mentally uh, putting it in a box. Oh, here here comes the the CG stuff, and you've seen it all a million times before. But there's something about seeing it in this extremely high definition form that made it much more believable. And the fluidity of action and motion shots are magnificent. And it's just, um, even though it's not cinematic, what we saw, it's not, it's, it does look like high-def video. It is very, very intense and very real. And it got me, the 3D is magnificent also because it doesn't eye strain you. So it struck me right away that however this may not be uh, enjoyed or, or, or supported by people who just like straight cinema and good storytelling, good character development and all the other basics. When it comes to a- action and spectacle and CG, it's going to be an absolute must, it seems to me, because it's just, it's like amazing just to, to look at. What were your feelings, Moisex? Uh, they actually mirrored yours in, in, in a number of ways. Um, I, I think that the reel itself uh, didn't do the technology as many favors as it could have, uh, mostly because of how it was edited. Um, it was edited like a, a traditional sizzle reel with lots of short clips and lots right. of montage bits. Yeah. Um, and in his his response to the reaction, uh, Jackson actually addressed that and said that you know he he agrees and he thinks that 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 probably is uh, is one of the reasons that people reacted so violently to it immediately. But you and I were both sitting in the press room and saw a, a fair amount of groupthink going on where people were just kind of consolidating behind what it seemed like the opinion of the day was. Um, and started ignoring a lot of the things that the, that the footage had been preempted with. Um, for yeah. example, that the, the lighting and the color grading and a lot of those aspects weren't done yet. And they were, uh, they were right. judging it as, well, this is final product. And it, it isn't the final product. But what, uh, what, what the takeaway for me was was the clarity. Yeah. And, and the clarity was there um, right there immediately. Um, and it, it doesn't look traditionally cinematic, um, I agree. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not something to it. And it doesn't mean that it's the death of 24 frames a second, which is what a great deal of alarmists have been throwing out there. That um, you know they, They've practically been alleging that, that the, the powers that be, Big Brother Hollywood, is out there confiscating the 24 frames per second frame rate and <laughs> forcing people to uh, conform to the, the 48 frames per second Reich or be exterminated. Um, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's kind of hilarious that people are alleging that because, you know, as we all know, not a single silent or black and white or 16 millimeter or 2D film has been made uh, for many years now yeah. Um, yeah. in this age of only 24 frames per second digital 3D um, as the, the only type of film that is allowed to be made by the, the World Filmmaking Governance Board. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can see 48 frames per second uh, in particular taking uh, taking hold in the animation world after after we saw oh, the Hobbit wonderful. presentation. After, well, after we saw the Hobbit presentation, we we saw we saw half an hour of Brave at the Pixar thing, and uh, I, I was much more aware of the motion blur and judder and the fact that I was losing things when there were, you know, pans across big landscapes and so on. And as beautiful as Pixar movies always look, uh, that there was something something to be desired uh, for the first time in a long time that I could notice. Hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. So no question, animation, CG, fantasy, 
and, and, and action, just pure action. Just, uh, you know, the, Michael Bay is going to have to stay in 48 for the rest of his life as long as he makes Michael oh, yeah. Bay. Because that's the only way. Now, it's not necessary, and I don't think I particularly want to see straight good dramas in 48. There's no effort. There's no necessary thing. And I don't think that they're going to be insisting at all that, that, that all films be in this realm. But, uh, but I wouldn't mind, uh, incidentally, if, as long as digital is allowing people to, uh, to, to play with frame rates, if movies in general were kicked up to 30, because it really is quite, quite pleasing to watch a film at 30. Have you ever spoken to anybody besides myself who saw the original Tadeo 30 frames? Uh, versions uh, back in the fifties. You know, I've you, seen, I've seen, I've seen the 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 variable frame rate Tadeo version of Oklahoma, and it looks amazing. Where did and you see? It? I saw, I saw a repertory screening of it. it. I mean, it's Austin. They everybody has, you know, if somebody doesn't have a print of something, then they know somebody, or they're always trying to uh, do screenings of different things. But, but no, but it's it's not just the print. You have to have a uh, yeah, a, a very a very yeah yeah a variable frame rate projector. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, such things exist, especially in this town where you know you'll you never know when when somebody's going to you know play an archival print of a Melies film or a, or, yeah. or, a, or a silent or something like that. Right. Um, but it, it really does look astounding, absolutely astounding. Um, and uh, it, it's uh, something that uh, I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but uh, somebody was talking to me about how they did this retrospective at the, at the Academy a few years back, and they showed you know the sixty-five millimeter five perf version of Ryan's daughter. And right. how so many people in that audience had never seen it theatrically, and it just uh-huh. took their breath away. Yeah. Um, and actually, the Tadeo version of Oklahoma is even on the DVD that they put out a few years back. Um, which no, that, granted, looks, that looks awful, though. I've, I've got that. That looks terrible. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a horrible representation of, of what it actually looks like on the big screen. Right. Um, but uh, but that experience, of course, is extraordinarily limited to uh, to major cinephiles and uh, and the lucky among us um, who uh, who have those kinds of opportunities. But uh, okay, now Sasha, you got to you got to pipe in here and say now from a person from the standpoint of someone who hasn't seen is perhaps not the technophile that uh, Moises and myself are. What is your reaction uh, to this uh, to this format that we all saw? And what is it? feel like that might be something. I don't know. I mean, it seemed to cause a, a lot of conflict, which we're not really hearing here, right? But but there are people who are really pissed off about it. I guess that there's like some kind of an, uh, an argument about technology versus art. And then my other question would be, do you think this is a way to get people to just like pony up the dough to go to the movies rather than just stay home and watch things on their flat screens? Yeah. Because, and how is how are these movies going to play on, on flat screen um that's a good TVs. question. Uh, I mean, how are DVDs going to represent 48 frames I, right. or Blu-rays, rather? I don't know. What do you think, Moises? I don't know how it's going to represent at home. You know, to, to some extent, I'm, I'm not entirely sure um, because some of this is stuff that I haven't really had to deal with on the home side of things where I'm, I'm more familiar with, you know, the theatrical um, exhibition standards. I don't know if this means that you're going to have to change the refresh rate on your TV when you want to watch these higher frame rate movies on Blu-ray. If existing Blu-ray equipment's going to work just fine, I, I haven't even given that a thought yet. Yeah, um, I just feel like that's sort of the way movies are going. But I, I do get that that this kind of new technology could pull people out from that habit of just waiting for it to come on. Demand. Absolutely. I mean, if I if this was not uh, delivered as clearly as what I saw in Vegas, I I would. You know, I, I mean, I really want to see The Hobbit now. I'm telling you, and that's a major thing because I really didn't care about it. 
I feel I feel like I'm talking to to a Jeff from an alternate universe because that's that's the last thing that I ever expected to hear out of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know. It, it, it's funny because it puts me off a little bit, I have to admit. Like, I think that there there is a degree to which you can't advance things too fast for people. And I feel like Avatar took such a huge leap forward. But, but people were complaining even then about how it felt to watch that on, on 3D. Not everybody sat down and, you know, and, and dug it. It wasn't comfortable but for was, a lot of... But it was the, by common consensus that Avatar's 3D was by far and away uh, the, the best we've seen... Yeah, uh, the Hobbit was 3D, right? Yeah, it was, and I'll tell you, the 3D is so you have to you have to wear glasses and adjust to the 3D plus adjust to the new frame. No, no, it's, it's, oh, the the it's, the adjustment to the 3D is actually radically different because the 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 eye strain issue that so many people point to with 3D these days, a lot of that goes away when you're doubling the frame rate because what what happens with 24 frames per second 3D is that each eye is getting about 12 frames per second. Um, that's why people feel like their eyes are getting tired and dry and they just can't keep up with it. And with 48 frames per second, each eye is getting 24 frames each. Um, and your, your eyes aren't having to do as much uh, work. Well, your eyes and your brain aren't having to do as much work to stitch together those, uh, those frames. Mm-hmm. It's giving you more information so that your, your eyes are doing less work. And that, that adjustment that people are used to doing with current 3D is not nearly the kind of an issue. Um, it it really just washes over you. It's 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 probably the most difficult part of it to explain to somebody who hasn't actually uh, experienced it themselves in the theater. But it's radically more comfortable uh, when it comes to the 3D experience. Very much. It is absolutely no strain at all, Sasha. It's re- actually the most pleasurable 3D I think I've ever. Seen. I mean, the brightness is, is abundant, and it's it just flows. Okay, in a so much more. Um, why are the fanboys all upset? Because <laughs> it's not cinematic. It's what different. It's different. It doesn't look like cinema. Because like they're a- the purists now. Well, it's it's different, and they're scared of anything that's different. Um, I, I would say that that's that's where a lot of the immediate knee jerk, this is terrible, and the end of cinema reaction is coming from, is that it is so radically different, um, and. I think the fanboy reaction, to be honest with you, a lot of that comes directly from the fact that they can be told all sorts of caveats, but when they see something on the screen, they are going to assume that that is the final product and that is what they're going to make their judgment on. They're going to say, well, they're showing it to us, so this must be exactly what it's going to look like in December. Right, And right. They, they make that assumption, and that's that's what they're running with. Um, Why and, do you think uh, it's different? Oh, I heard afterwards that that Warner Brothers people were saying, well, maybe we can kind of rough it up a little bit and make it not so high-def video and make it look well, and, so, more well, like and, film. And Jackson himself in the intro said that it had, like, the, the lighting and color grading hadn't been done on it yet. Like, it, it that wasn't final color corrected or final lighting for the whole thing. And that, you know, yes, it, it, it does have an overtly video type of a feel to it, but that, like, this is not the final visual look of it. And he was steering, he, he didn't do a perfect job of steering people toward what I think he was trying to, which was look to the clarity and depth of field. That is what this should be representative of. Keep in mind that, you know, in terms of the visual aesthetic, there's still quite a ways to go in post-production on this. And mm-hmm. I don't think that they communicated that well enough for people to, actually give it a shot in in the in the area that uh, that honestly it was meant to deliver on which was clarity and depth of field well so do you yeah. think that it was a mistake for them to show it uh at cinemacon the way they did 
uh, I, I I think it was not representative of uh, of what the final product can be. So no, I, I I don't think I don't think it was a it was a great idea because just look at the general reaction that right. they got. And you can't and pull that back that in. You can't pull back in bad word of mouth, right? No, you can, well you can't you can't get a second chance at a first impression, hmm. with the exception of instead of going to the exhibitor and um, you know small amount of of critical press that were there, um, you know the the thing that you would have to do is something similar to what they did with that avatar preview night thing where they showed like 20 minutes of footage and just show people the first half hour of the movie on, uh, on, on IMAX screens or something hmm. and just, just put it out there to the general public because that's who you're really selling it to. Exactly. Right. I don't think they made any mistake at all. I think you have to get, people have to get wet with the idea. You have to, what we saw is pretty much what it's going to be. I don't, I don't think Moises is being, I mean, the, it, there were some green screen elements that we saw. It wasn't complete, the shots, but uh, it's not going to be, uh, you know, what it is is what it is. He said, we're going to keep evolving the technology and we're going to keep uh, massaging it and everything. But, you know, we saw 48 frames. That's when he, We didn't see something other than that. I mean, that's what we're going to see in, in December. Well, so why do you like it, Jeff, so much if it has a video-like look? Because that's, that's what I'm hearing. Because of the clarity and the believability of the effects. There's something about associating the effects that we see in regular film we have seen them so many times i turn off whenever i see obvious cg if i don't see if cg appears that does not immediately announce itself as a computer generated then i get excited then i get turned on then it's like oh this is great i love this but when it looks like cg i just shut it down it goes into a box it's called like here comes the cg effects Oh, you know what? So it works really well with motion capture. That's what it is, right? Well, and the just any kind of CG uh, manipulation, where, like for instance, uh, Gollum, the 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 figure we all know from the other Lord of the Rings films, it was really something for me to see this this guy because I just felt Jesus, here he is, and this really sharp, clear, uh, almost high def video uh, thing, and and it's still him, and I believe it. There's just something about seeing uh, manipulated images at this uh, level of clarity and uh, they they don't look like they exist on separate planes of existence yeah. like they used yeah. to the, the 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 digital seams that seem to be so evident previously are, are just kind of gone and yeah. characters like Gollum the trolls that were in some of the other uh, footage that we saw mm-hmm. in it um, right. they they've actually got a sense of mass uh, like they they're really sharing the same physical plane as the uh-huh. other characters and it just I, I mean I can I can only imagine what Rise of the Planet of the Apes would have looked yeah. like in 48. That's what I was thinking of when you have Caesar flying through the house and, and you have him interacting with humans it's pretty <laughs> obvious that there's a difference you know between the two so yeah I could see it working for that. And, and you know, there are always going to be people that are opposed to that. The Academy is certainly going to be. Um, oh, I guarantee you that your 62-year-old Academy member, he's going to go, what the fuck is this? Well, they're Let ruled me- by actors, and this is going to seem very threatening because it's going to get them one step closer to performance capture being replacing actors. Well, and it's only going to make older actors look yet older. Um, oh God! Because because of the enhanced detail, and that's you know that that there, there's there's that gauzy filter of of uh, of, of the cinematic look that um, you know before before television news went to 
high def. Uh, they didn't have as many issues to deal with when it came to makeup and lighting and so on and so forth. And there will be a similar uh, a similar experience with um, with actors in, in fiction films, where even you know one of the things that I would point to in terms of of how you know in advance of, of final color correction and and lighting and everything. Um, it, it just shows a lot more of the artifice than it used to, uh, where there's going to have to be, you know, as, as great of work as Colleen Atwood does on costumes, there's going to have to be another layer of detail done to these things and another layer of, of beating them up and making them look lived in and worn so that they don't look like regional theater Shakespeare company costumes. Mm. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. It, you know, to, to, that, that's that's the thing is is it's stripped away that it, that that last um, safety layer of gauze um, where where you don't have that uh, kind of saving you against the uh, the harsh light of day. Oh my god, yeah, that's it, a it trip! It feels like you're right in that immediate world. There's no sense that you're looking through any layer of any kind. It's like, is this? Do I want to watch a whole movie this way now? Peter Jackson is said that, you know what's going to happen? People are going to get used to the idea of watching drama, uh, you know, a two-hour or an hour, 90 minute. It's kind of They're going to settle into it, and it's going to gradually be the um, a much more accepted thing, to the point that I, I'm guessing, I'm imagining that maybe people are going to start looking at 24 as maybe, you know, the way we look at, say, silent film or something. You know, it's, just, it, it's nice, it's beautiful. Obviously, pictorially, there's Hollywood did some wonderful things with, with cinematography back then, but it's still silent film, and it's not as sharp and immediate as, as what, you know, a digitally captured narrative looks like today, or even... Well, honestly, I, I, think, know, yeah. I, think, I think the big hump to get over is that the jump from 16 or 18 frames per second to 24, that was maybe a couple of decades. And right. the, you know, jump between 24 and 48, we're talking about around 80 years radically larger volume right. of, of film has been shot at 24 than was ever shot at 16 or 18. And and I think that that is going to be a big part of of the acclamation issue that people had there on the day at CinemaCon and that they will have looking at it in December is is getting over the fact that it really does look radically different from everything that they think of as a film. Uh, right. And uh, and th- that is that is the big hump that they've got to get over, and you know the the jury's out as to as to whether people are going to really really go for it immediately. But I think uh, I think long term, I, I think you're right, Jeff. When it comes to spectacle and and big sweeping adventure and fantasy and 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 action and all of that, I, right. unquestionably it uh, it eliminates so many uh, so many of the headaches. You know, if you look at uh, Paul Greengrass's Bourne films. You know, throw throw forty eight <laughs> frames a second at that, and you have radically less headaches and nausea. Wow, than, uh, the intense amount of shaky camp in that. The, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree about that. Yeah. But can we not lose the gauzy effect? Because that's the thing I love so much about film, and and whether it's um, still camera film or film film, and and as far as I'm concerned, they've been trying to get digital to look like film. And not make it look like itself. And now it sounds like they're trying to just make it look like itself and forget about film entirely. No, it doesn't look like film. You say it looks like itself. That sounds like you're saying does it look like film. Ah, it really doesn't. Ah, 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 you'll have to say film. that again, Jeff. You're breaking up. I'm sorry. that I, I said that you said that, you, that the effort in digital photography is to make it look 
pleasantly artistically gauzy and like film. Yeah, that like with Benjamin Button and Dragon Tattoo, those yeah. movies that were shot on digital video, you can't really yeah. tell because they look like film. Right. And if they looked but, like digital video, you would hate them because well, it's like dark shadows or whatever. You're well, not- and, and the thing is, again, I, I the... Um, the, the kind of, uh, of of crisis of conscience I've got about this is that there were some scenes that looked radically different than others. The ones that it cut in and out of really rapidly looked so much more like HD video and um, and the kind of you know live recorded drama uh, sort of thing that, that so many detractors are pointing to. But then when they showed uh, the the couple longer scenes that we saw where there there was one with Gandalf. In uh, in a tomb, and then one with uh, with Gollum and Bilbo in a cave, uh, talking. They they had that enhanced clarity, and it wasn't so much that the the artifice of cinema was gone, as it was radically clearer and sharper and brighter and more yeah, beautiful. For the dark lighting in that scene, I thought that was actually pretty nice. Yeah. I, I think I think when they get the lighting and the color correction done on it, it's going to look yet different. Not uh, not all the way to you know toward the gauzy end of things but I, I have a feeling that it's it's going to look yet different than it did the other day um and that's that's why i would say that they didn't really way? do themselves any- See, i just do you- don't think you improve on film that way i'm sorry but i don't i don't think you can improve on citizen kane i just don't think you can because you know why it's about story and it's about acting and it's about what the film is it's not necessarily about the technology you can't tell me you would have made citizen kane better at 48 frames per second. There's no, I wouldn't no say so. And 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 I'm 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 one of the ones saying that I don't see 48 frames per second entirely erasing 24 frames per second from history. I hope and not. I, <laughs> I I I don't see how it could because not not necessarily everything is going to um, radically benefit from 48. Just because it's the same reason that the aesthetic choice is made to do you know a film in black and white or a film without sound mm. or. Uh, it's 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 an artistic choice, and rather than it be absolutist, where you have to have one or the other, which has been the way that people have viewed things up until now, I don't see why they can't coexist and have specific yeah, purposes. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. It's nobody's going to be messing with traditional cinema and good and good basics and and the and just in the usual involving elements that that make us you know uh, move us and touch us about great movies. It's just we're just talking about the theme park or amusement park aspects. Or the fant- fantasy aspects of, of big, you know, uh, multiplex cinema, right. which is what so much of it is driven by, uh, you know, monetarily, and uh, obviously the, the the less sophisticated, i.e., ninety percent of the audience out there likes this stuff, and that's what they go to movies for. They want, to, you know, they'll only go for the big event amusement park movies, and they'll wait for the smaller, more intimate, more, you know, they'll uh, they'll rent it on iTunes yeah. for three dollars. Yeah. And and for me, you know, a friend of mine pointed out something that I, I really agree with, which is that I, I like the idea of variable frame rate as a filmmaking tool where, you know, you, you see things like Saving Private Ryan or, or other films that have messed with frame rate within the 24 frames per second projection standard and used it to stylistic effect. Hmm. And yeah. I think it's interesting breaking past that frontier and being able to, you know, let's say, for example, um, Scorsese's doing Wolf of Wall Street this fall and leaves it at 24 frames per second, and it's it's pretty much, you know, the kind of standard aesthetic we look to. But then he does Sinatra, 
and let's say maybe he plays with things during you know during performance numbers and just you know jumps back and forth and 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 plays around with it you know why not well he always has been someone who plays with film speeds and stuff like that right i mean he he always did yeah. he always like interjected slow-mo and weird kind of closing frames and rack zooms and things like that so he seems like he would be definitely open to, to doing that and didn't he just say recently that he wants every movie now to be in 3d <laughs> that's what he said yeah that's, so what bizarre. That's, that's that's what he said at the at the lunch thing at CinemaCon. he said he you know he loves it the depth of field it gives you it's it's amazing it's you know, yeah, and, and it's true. It does. It's not so comfortable, and it can never really replace. I still don't think it can replace great storytelling. But no, nonetheless, um, they're, they I need think that's to. A, that's a really terrible idea. Given that I love his stuff on its own terms, I don't want him to be defining himself as a as a cool 3D director. I want him to be just Martin Scorsese. I really don't want to be burdened by, particularly now that I know that 3D is so much more engrossing and pleasurable and easy on my eyes through 48. I, I don't want him to be doing 3D left and right. I hope that doesn't... I hope he was just saying that for the sake of the, the moment. Well, they're yeah. getting scared. They're just scared because they're, it feels like they're going to be selected out, you know, at this point yeah. because people are, are turning home and they're not coming out to the movies. Only a certain generation are really paying big money for tickets and I think it's scaring people, yeah. filmmakers. Well, the the, the the funny thing is actually at that same lunch where he said that before they started it they showed us a demonstration of some stuff taken at 120 frames per second, um, which was as as jaw dropping as parts of the 48 demonstration were. The 120 was even more so, um, even more startlingly clear, even more defined, um, you know, by depth of field. Um, but it was really just a tech demo. It wasn't. It wasn't narrative content put to that uh, put mm-hmm. to that speed. Um, but thinking of forty eight frames per second as you know as the as the frontier that we're going past, I think that's really just the first step because all of these projectors that are currently capable of doing forty eight frames per second or sixty frames per second are capable of doing one hundred and twenty as well. And uh, you know the 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 piece of uh, of hardware that needs to be upgraded on some of them, not all of them, um, is is the is the thing that you know drives how fast of content it can crank through it. Um, mm-hmm. And and we're we're looking at that hardware that's being upgraded for these forty eight frames per second movies. It's going to be able to do one hundred and twenty without blinking. Right. Well, that's great. I mean. In a weird sort of way, technology is moving so fast in every area, handheld, you know, and, and everything's coming down to your cell phone and your iPad and, you know, things are just moving really fast. The only place they, they didn't seem to be moving fast was with film. So maybe this is a way to kind of make things, you know, more modern and, and you know, evolving, ever evolving to keep people interested in, in movies so what the hell, right? We'll get used Except to it. That I, I have felt in my bones since, uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of the most exciting things that I've ever, I've ever felt technolo- technologically. I haven't uh, felt this kind of charge in, in a long, long while. So I, Since you I, got your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, it's great. Well, what do we think about The Hobbit? Is it going to hit with a thud or what? It'll probably still make a whole shitload of money, right? No matter what. Wait a minute. Well, they're the forty eight, right? Well, the, they're making it available in forty eight frames per second, three D, two D, and twenty four frames per second, two D. Oh, great! Well, there 3D. you go. So no problem. 
It's, yeah. it's available in both. The world is going to see The Hobbit in 24 frames. I'm sure that uh, many, many, uh, all those exhibitors, you know, one thing that was never said during um, during CinemaCon, which is that movies are only as good as the weakest link in the chain. The weakest link in the chain has always been exhibition. It continues to be exhibition. Mm. They're the ones that degrade the product and make it look less good and are not able to, or don't choose to deliver the brightness, yeah, you know. Mm. They'll light it. They'll light it at what, like two foot Lamberts instead of eleven. Mm. Yeah. Well, ideally, they should be using fourteen, but they they use yeah. uh, is what it comes out is like eight or something. So um, that's the average when you get out there uh, amongst the average theaters in Orange County, and um, and you know the outlying areas of Texas or wherever you're going to happen to see one. They they just don't believe in those uh, standards because they feel they have to save their money by not extending the the life of the bulbs so hmm. well I, I you know they they also did a, a demo of uh, of laser based projectors uh which uh which allow significantly brighter lighting uh for a significantly larger image uh than than you can do at a cost effective level with the existing xenon bulb technology in, in existing projectors but i just don't i just i just don't see exhibitors jumping onto that bandwagon and mass uh, i can see imax jumping all over it because it'll allow them to to shift away from uh from film prints and go all digital which as i understand it is the direction that imax wants to go yeah. um and really light up that 70 millimeter size frame yeah. beautifully much much more cheaply than they can right now um mm. but i i wonder if we'll if we will see the uh, the long-standing um, controls, you know, taken out that that prevent the studios and content owners from owning theaters and owning the means of ex- exhibition and actually retaking control of that, because the existing exhibitors they're they're looking at diminishing returns on uh, on what they're able to get out there, and the uh, the content owners are the ones that are really the most concerned with preserving some sort of enhanced experience out of theatrical. Right. right. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't know how keen they're even going to be to that because they're they're not even all terrifically interested in figuring out how to build a model where they're actually directly serving their customers. They're, they've been so used to middlemen for so many years doing a lot of the work that I don't know how much interest they have in actually reestablishing that contact with uh, with the people that are actually buying their stuff. Just putting it simply, do you think that the um, the percentage that I just spitballed as far as the people that are going to actually see The Hobbit in 48 frames per second is going to be, what, less than 10% only in the big the big cities and, and even sporadically at that? Well, the thing is, I, I, think, I think you might be off because, like I was saying, the, the vast majority of digital projectors that are out there, the theaters that have already upgraded to 4K digital projectors... The projectors themselves are already capable of it, and most of them have the servers that are capable of pushing the projectors to 48. Okay. The wide swath of theaters that don't have the capability of doing 48 are ones that don't even have full 4K uh, projector setups. Right. And those theaters are actually um, they're incentivized by the reduced cost of maintenance and the huge rebates that are still currently in effect for upgrading to those digital projectors. And a lot of them have just been waiting and waiting 
for the projectors to still drop in price a bit more so that they're getting more bang for their buck out of that rebate. Um, and their their mom and pops, uh, as as rural as uh, as as nearby, uh, um, uh, I think it's uh, Taylor Taylor Texas. It's a little ways outside of Austin. Hmm. They have one of these old school two screen, you know, rural Texas type screens. Oh. And uh, I was out there getting barbecue or something a few weeks ago, and they had a they had a sign up in the in the front window of their theater saying that. They will soon be discontinuing 35-millimeter exhibition and going all digital and promoting, you know, the beautiful crystal clarity of 4K digital projection and so on. And uh, I spoke to somebody there, and they said, no, we're we're planning on basically setting our 35-millimeter projectors out back like used refrigerators. Wow. Wow. God. Well, I guess they got to do it, though, right? Explain your reaction there into the wow, wow, wow. What are you thinking? I'm just thinking it's, it's interesting. We, well, because when that kind of shit starts happening, well, that's a that's a revolution. Yeah. What do you think that your daughter and her friends are going to uh, be about this kind of thing? How do how are they going to react? Do you think? Well, you I don't know if it's her or her generation, but she is not turned on to movies really. She's kind of turned on to them, but everything exciting that happens in their world happens online on the internet. That's all I- they care about. They don't care, and, and on their phones, they like movies. Okay, they're sort of into it, but you know, when we were kids, it was all about me. Anyway, it was all about movies. That's where all the technology was, really. Yeah, yeah. And um, but with them, man, they've got way too much to excite them online. They've got you know social interaction. They've got YouTube. I was, <laughs> I was at this taco stand the other day, and these like twelve year olds were there, and they were skateboarding in, and they had this camera attached to the end of a pole and they were like filming themselves they were filming themselves ordering and paying and everything and the guy was like did you check out the footage yet yeah i gotta take it and start editing it you know and like you know it's gonna go right up on youtube and you know i mean like the guerrilla filmmaking for them is just right there it's right at the ready and they're doing it they're doing it all so i don't know i mean maybe i'm just it's just her world maybe it's different with other kids but as a 13 going on 14 year old that's what i'm seeing in her group of people is that kind of thing but this is why i think that young chris tapley is saying why do you think young people are going to go for this because it really competes with with um all the social media and youtube it really is like something you've got to see this you know it's it's tremendous it's tremendously overwhelming when you actually get your eyes on it it really is unlike the theatrical experience has been previously. And the thing that that that, uh, that I've been refuting left and right that people have been posting on Ain't It Cool is that oh well high frame rate you know that's for theme parks that's not that's not what movies should be made with. And and again you know people will uh, and I think Devin Faraci already has uh, excoriated people like me for comparing <laughs> high frame rate to to you know when, when when people like him call high frame rate a gimmick. I point to things like, well, you know, at a certain point, 35-millimeter film was considered a gimmick. Yeah, color you know, film. Color sound. film. Sound film. Um, and he'll say, oh, well, that's like comparing sound to 3D. And I said, I'm not comparing it to 3D. 3D is is still its own kind of beast, but I'm, I'm talking about enhancing image clarity and depth. And those are those are two fundamental parts of, uh, of cinematic technology that have been improved ever since the beginning of film. Yeah, and also in all, in all kinds of different technologies, you have that option. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, and Dolby or whatever. You, you have the option to, to heighten. And what I like is that they're offering two different ways you can see the movie. That's what I like about it. They're not forcing you to see it this way. You can yeah. choose to see it. But I think right. if given the option, even someone like me who's slightly turned off by this idea, I would still choose the higher frame rate because I'd want to see it. You know, you know the the, yeah. the biggest potential enemy to high frame rate is is on the compositional side of things um, because it it you ha- it, just like Scorsese designed Hugo for 3D, right? You have to design a film for high frame rate photography, hmm. not just the visual effects. Which uh, some visual effects artists have already gone out there and said, you realize that going to 48 frames per second, that's going to double, maybe triple visual effects uh, CG costs on the average film that uses these kinds of effects because you're generating all of that additional information for those additional frames and you can't hide as much in the blur of 24 frames per second Um, but you you have to compose the film so that you're not cutting every three seconds like so many indie films shot on you know uh, mini dv have for so many years and now on dslrs Um, you you have to if anything the thing that, that, that I'm happiest about is that I think this is going to lead back to the tradition of longer takes being okay. Mm, God, and I just letting the image live, letting things come in and out of the frame rather than having to pan and swoop and do all kinds of crazy acrobatics and shit. Right. You know, that that that's what excites me the most, is that kind of painterly composition coming back to, to narrative films. You know, things like those extraordinarily, you know, uh, deep, beautiful shots that you get in things like North by Northwest, people actually saying, you know what, I think I'm going to try this stuff again. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have a lot of directors like that. We have a lot of directors who are um, up and coming, who are, you know, coming out of the indie world and they're, you know, they like to do the the handheld cams and stuff like that. But you really don't see in, in the newer generations a lot of visual directors who really think about the frame in the way that people like Spielberg and Scorsese did, you know, they're just. The, it seems like we don't have a lot of directors like that now, unfortunately. Um, and a lot of it is, I think, partly that they get like Peter Jackson is so into the technology of it. He's so into the creatures and stuff that I think sometimes he does forget about the frame, <laughs> the composition of the art of movies. You know, and 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 that's the thing is is that was something that I was really impressed with in so many of these shots where some people complained, oh, it doesn't look like a Lord of the Rings movie. And I said, I think that's actually kind of great. <laughs> because, uh, and, and no offense to the Lord of the Rings films, which unlike Jeff, I, I, I got my fair amount of enjoyment out of. Mm. The distinctly different uh, painterly deep portrait that, that he pulled off with some of the compositions that we got a peek at in this thing are really positively thrilling. Hmm. Um, because it, uh, if anything, I'm not for super strict adaptations of, of, of books and so on. I think there has to be, uh, a little bit of, of messing with it to get it to work cinematically. Um, but if, mm-hmm. if anything, it, it immerses you in the world of the source material, um, in a different way than, than I'm used to with, with films of this scope, uh, films of this scope is something that's going to mean something different now than right. it has for many years. Absolutely. And the fact that he's taking such an old book, such a, you know, dusty old book off the shelf that like all these kids have read and making it something brand new like that is is kind of breathtaking. 
well, it, 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 it makes my mind real at, at what John Carter would have looked like at this frame rate. Oh, John Carter. Oh, oh I had to bring up John Carter. <laughs> well, you, even, even I would have been uh, a lot cooler with John Carter at 48. I would have just at least be able to relax into the, into the look of it, the lush look of it. Uh, I could have gotten through that movie a lot with a lot less pain with at 48. I can tell you that for sure. And animation probably is just going to exclusively go this way, right? I don't see how they can avoid it. It's, it's I don't just, see. I don't see why it wouldn't. Yeah. Right. It's not as threatening. Advances in animation aren't as threatening to people as as regular film. All they have to do is just think about it for two seconds and realize that there's no need and there's no 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 uh, hunger for a 48 frame. Uh, a Harold Pinter drama, you know, adaptation or something. Nobody, you know, what's the point? And I don't know. know. I just think that people, for some people, and I'm one of them, and I think you two are, are also belong to this, is that films, this is our church. We belong to a church of cinema. It's our religion. And everything else is moving so fast. Like, books are going away. Newspapers are going away. You know, our modern world is becoming less and less something we recognize. I don't think it's just that I'm getting older. I think it really is the fact of the matter. It's moving fast, and things are going away, and new things are replacing it. And I think a lot of people choose the one thing they want to hang on to. I mean, even the hipsters are starting to like reflect back to when how things used to be. You know, I was amazed that uh, that uh, Alex Billington and those guys were like saying they couldn't stand the forty eight thing, or they thought it was really problematic. So what? You know, well, why? I mean, you know, I I, I could. I, you know, I consider myself at least somewhat friendly, or at least not right and not outright antagonistic with Alex Billington. But he's kind of an idiot. No, no, don't say <laughs> bad things about my friend Alex. He's, I'm not saying bad things about him. I'm talking about his, <laughs> his, his technical acumen. His technical <laughs> acumen is not is not top notch. Well, um, he has his sh- opinions. He, he's got opinions, and 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 it's great. But he 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 and 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 some of the some of those other guys. Um, kind of make their minds up that that they are not that ready for radical change mm-hmm. um they just are they are comfortable with with the way that they're used to to seeing things and having them delivered to them and that's that's fine for them and that's how they operate um they're not they're not that forward looking they if if anything you know they they're going to be more stuck in their ways than guys like me and jeff who you know can eyeball something and tell the difference between 65 millimeter and 35 right if you can recognize it um so devin alex and peter from slash film right we're all thumbs down all three of them right profoundly so profoundly so okay any major like fanboy bloggers thumbs up it Besides Jeff, <laughs> I'm including you, Jeff, in the fanboy world. I'm sorry, fanboy Jeff. <laughs> well, He's the leader the of the fanboys. <laughs> but I didn't say I didn't disagree with those guys. I said yes, you're right. It's not cinematic looking. It does not look like cinema as we have all known it. Uh, so I'm not arguing with this. I'm just saying it's really thrilling anyway. You know. Uh, so they were saying it's bad because it's not cinematic, and this is terrible. And I don't want to look at movies like this. And I just said, well, I, I get what you're saying, but, you know, you're not breaking it down. If you look at the particular applications for this type of form, i.e. And even even within, you know, Devin, Alex and, uh, and, and Peter and uh, Steve Weintraub from Collider, there's there's a spectrum of difference between them where Devin just outright rejects 3D and 
thinks there is no purpose for it whatsoever, whereas the other guys are much more amenable to something like 3D. Right, um, right. So even, even with that kind of difference of opinion within those guys, there's still that kind of dissension. Um, but I, I, think, I think a lot of it is that knee-jerk reaction caused by the precise presentation that they were given of it, which I don't think was properly representative of how they're going to actually experience it. Right. I think Je- Jeff and I prepared ourselves and abstracted ourselves out um, of that direct experience and, and were able to kind of extrapolate what an actual feature-length cinematic presentation was going to be like, and those guys were focused on this 10 minutes that I saw, this is what a movie will be like. Right. But plus, that, there's, it, it's thrilling to be contrarian in a situation like that. You're in the oh, power absolutely. seat. You have your hand on the gear shift. Devin, and Devin, you know Devin, you could pull the Devin trigger. Devin could not light the, the, the torches fast enough right. or sharpen the pitchforks quickly enough to be the man on the front lines yeah. of damning this technology before it got out the gate. I mean, you, in any corner of, of, of the, the internet, you have that sort of mentality where it's even in the Oscar world where people just can't wait to get out there and say, that movie sucked, you know, yeah. because they want to be that guy or that girl. They want to be the one person who stands yeah. out. And, and then I think people are afraid of looking stupid sometimes and they just go along with the group think. And well, that, That's what Jeff and I saw in the press room. Everybody yeah. was 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 jumping all over themselves to to crib off of each other's notes and and unanimously declare it dead before it arrives. All right, I like Claudia, what's cool, you know? The, the that I Claudius analogy. I don't know who started it first, but I, I, you know, I, high high definition. I well, and and yes. and Thompson and Thompson said something about how parts of it reminded her of watching BBC TV dramas, and I said like I Claudius. And then within an hour, when everybody's pieces went up, all of a sudden I Claudius is all over every single one of them. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so and did I, Anne? I, what did I, Anne I, think? I wish, I wish I could claim to have done that intentionally, but it just happened. <laughs> hey Sasha, uh, can I stop this conversation because I just have to say uh, both both of you. Uh, I, I'm going to get kicked out of this uh, this uh, this ho- kind of quasi hotel thing that I'm staying in on Avenue B in Manhattan, which is Jesus, where I'm, uh, Jeff. You're cutting it down to the wire here. When are you and, leaving uh, for Berlin? I, li- I leave on Thursday, which is four day, three days from now. Well, Wait, where are you getting kicked yeah, out? Okay. I thought you lived there. What? I thought you lived where you live. I mean, I thought you lived there where you're staying. No, right now I am staying here temporarily because I'm moving over to my son's place today. Um. Because um, I he I could not go in there because he has other people crashing on the couch last weekend, the just concluded weekend. But now there's room for me, so it's me and Jet and his three female roommates and Jet's dog Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I I think we, we have a sitcom, everybody. <laughs> I hope we get to see a, um, a, a picture of the dog. It does not just sound like an episode of Girls. Yeah. <laughs> this fall on CBS. <laughs> Two guys, three girls, and a dog named Joe. <laughs> I, hey, Sasha, i got to ask you two girl questions. Girl Is questions? Yes. Oh, okay. About uh, beauty beauty questions. Yikes. Uh, I, I am trying to figure out what eyebrow threading is. Do you know what that is? Yeah. What is that? It's kind of like a... Uh, Jeff, Jeff, I know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, 
I'm just asking. There's no such thing as a dumb question. I'm asking. What is it? That's true. Um, it's it's well, we women, poor women, were were besieged by ways to try to make ourselves look acceptable, right? So we have to shave everything, wax everything, diet ridiculously, you know. So one of the things we have to do, of course, is pluck our eyebrows. Well, there are several ways to do that. The old school way was a tweezer. I like to yeah. take wax and heat it up in the microwave, paint it on, and then rip it off. But um, the threading is they take two threads. It's kind of, I think it started in India, actually. And they just, like, tie them together, and they and they thread off the hairs very meticulously. And it supposedly does a better job than uh, waxing. What do you mean they thread off you'll, the hairs? You'll, they you'll, hairs off with thread? I don't they understand. take them, and they tie them in a knot, and then there's, like, they come out in, like, a V. And then okay. somehow they weave them back and forth together, and that scissors off. You, you will actually see this done in shopping malls across the country. Yeah, it's everywhere. Exactly. Right. You always see them sitting there with the threading thing. It's always And there. the second thing is I, I was by, uh, I was in the village, West Village, and there was a, um, a woman's uh, a hair salon, and it was all about blowing your hair, not about any kind of washing, shampooing, cutting. It's strictly a blowing Brazilian thing. blowout. <laughs> yeah. different, and different kinds of blowjobs. Blowouts. Blowjobs, so, well. Happy ending. In shopping malls across the country, <laughs> different kinds of blowjobs. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's because that's, we, we like that? to have that's our hair blow up. Blowing your hair for, what is that, taking a, 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 a hair dryer and just blowing it? What is that? What, yeah. Why people pay money? For I guess that. you've never had your hair cut and blow dried. Well, when, when the hairdresser does it, it always looks prettier, right? And you go home and you try to do it, and it looks terrible. It doesn't look how they look. They 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 put stuff in it to like puff up the roots and to shine, and they use roller brushes, and it takes them about thirty minutes to blow dry your hair, and it looks great on that day, right? So <clears throat> if you want to have it look great like that again, you just you say, "Can I come in for a blowout?" And you go in and you and they wet your hair and they blow dry it in that beautiful, wonderful way that they know how to do. I think it's a great idea. I, my hairdresser told me to do that when I was up in Santa Barbara for the film festival. I never ended up doing it, but she's like, "Yeah, you just go in and you get a, you ask him for a blowout. It takes like thirty minutes, twenty minutes, you know." All right. All right. All right. Well, so. the the my landlady just peeked her head in. And, oh no! <laughs> but I have to move over to Jet's place in Brooklyn. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, I think this was a very good podcast. Thank you for upping the level of discussion. (laughs) Jeff and I usually ramble on and on about cats and... Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's fine. It's just my first time. And, you know, yeah. Next time around, I'll talk about my cats. All right, great. I hope you do join us again. Yeah, That'd no, happily so. Oh, good deal. All right, All right well, well thanks. thanks for taking part, man. And we'll take care, guys. All right. Soon. Well, I'll talk to you later. Good luck, Jeff, with the move. Thank you. Bend with your knees. Okay, lift with your knees. All right, take care. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode 76 of Oscar Poker with Moise Shulan as our special guest, Jeffrey Wells from Hollywood Elsewhere, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music is Waiting for the Miracle by Leonard Cohen and Glass, Concrete, and Stone by David Byrne. Thanks for listening.
Thank you. 